0: lifestyle matters. It's more than money.
1: And for Dave Popovich and Faisal Karmali today, I'm Leanna Wojniak here with my co-host, Mr. Rob Geary. How are you doing, it, Rob?
0: It's good to be here. And we have a ton of interesting topics coming up. We have a really interesting topic to cover, though, next in the first half of the show today. We're going to be talking about health. How does health care planning change as you age and how does it impact caretakers? We're going to be talking about that later in the show. But right now, let's have an overview of the health bucket, how to protect that, how you want to live, how you want to be cared for if something happens, and how we look at that during planning and protection on um, income needs for for different issues.
1: Definitely. I think a lot of people worry about it, but not a lot of people know how to plan for it. So that is why we have the usual co-host of this show on to talk about that. We have Faisal Carmali, Senior Portfolio Manager, Senior Wealth Advisor with the Popwood Carmali Advisory Group, CIBC with Gandhi, And usually the co-host of this show, he's back to talk about the health bucket today. Faisal, thanks for joining us.
0: Thanks for having me. Faisal, uh, it's a huge topic that we go over uh, with every client, and it's a a huge topic and a needed topic. And a lot of people don't think about, right off the bat, when we think about planning, they think about just their lifestyle needs, what they're going to do in retirement, it may be travel. But what happens when someone gets ill and how you want to be cared for? Maybe you can go over the first stages of what we look at in that health bucket
2: yeah, I think what Canadians have to remember is retirement's not a single destination. It's a journey through multiple decades. And think about how your life looks like from fifty five to sixty five, sixty five to seventy five years of age, seventy five years to eighty five years of age, and if you're lucky eighty five years and beyond. Usually the last part of that 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 uh, that journey has the most health challenges to Canadians. and and part of that is either people want to age in home. Or age in a home. And then so now comes in what we call a financial burden or a cash flow need at some point in the future. But it's more than just the financial part of it, it's a quality of care conversation that needs to happen. And the earlier we plan for this, the higher the probability that this can be achieved. And so by planning out what kind of quality of care do you want? Who's going to take care of the certain tasks and responsibilities in the home? If you're outsourcing a lot of the responsibilities to to other people where you're paying them, what's the financial cost to that? And how are you going to pay for that using a finite amount of money that we have, which we call our retirement savings? Uh, And this can be a big issue for people who don't plan in advance. So what we do on our team is understand where they are on their journey, number 2 what kind of quality of care do they want and number 3 how does it how can they afford to have that quality of care with the proper planning done well in advance So we can meet these goals so we're not taking a whole bunch of risk because the biggest risk that i see in in canadians in this phase of their life is they plan on the fly something's happened now they got to come up with the approach the strategy and the financial uh uh, payments to make that uh become a reality and then it just becomes a scramble and uh, we've learned and and personally i've learned through the through my mother who who had a a long-term illness and then unfortunately passed away with cancer that there was, there was a need for a proper plan. So I want to make sure that any of our clients on our watch don't have that same problem. So we definitely want to make sure that we have this plan done well in advance.
1: So Faisal, what kinds of things do people not think about or not take into consideration when they're thinking about health over a long period of time?
2: Yeah, most Canadians will probably just think about long-term care. And that's all they think about. Oh, if I ever get sick and so forth, I have to go into a, into a home. Um, that's, that's I can solve that problem with a mathematical equation and probably just pick the facility that I want to be in. That's kind of like a, uh, I, I call it like a, a tablecloth over the table of issues. Um, what, what the real problem is now is the number one problem is that people have to realize that they're going to age slowly. It doesn't happen all of a sudden. And so as they age slowly, they're going to slowly need more and more help along the way from a mobility perspective, from healthcare perspective, from support perspective. And as they age through, the, through their journey, they're going to have these different needs. And then at some point, then the tablecloth gets over the issues where, okay, now we might have to be in a home or or, or uh, age in our home, which has a whole bunch of costs. I think people forget all the costs between now and upon uh, upon the time when they go into a home, that there's going to be a lot of expenses to cover. There, um, I, We're biased on our team. We do not believe that the federal and provincial governments will continue to support uh, with government funding. We, th- we feel it's going to be more out-of-pocket expenses. We're seeing more and more of that now. And so I think that's where we need to be prepared for that because um, 20 years from now or 10 years from now or five years from now, the, the, the landscape for healthcare is going to be considerably different than when it was 20 years ago. So we want to make sure we're prepared for that.
0: Faisal, we go over a lot of these plans and and look at financial situations and, and, you know, a couple may look at it and go, well, they only have a defined income to live their lifestyle. So maybe you can look at an example or kind of give us an example of looking at someone's entire holistic wealth and how we can look at that and, and put that into a health bucket situation
2: one thing you mentioned Rob is I think very accurate that they're not looking at it from a holistic perspective people think that their retirement is their RRSPs people think their retirement is a certain small percentage or a portion of their overall assets now think about all the assets an average Canadian has they have their retirement savings they might have pension plans CPP old age security as a base and then maybe company pension plans but they also have other assets real estate and so forth so when you have that journey of aging uh, through retirement, you need to look at all your assets. We have lots of clients who own their own homes, have multiple properties, have land or businesses. How do you use all these assets to support what you need through your journey of retirement? And when we're talking about the healthcare, as you get into that healthcare concern and the cost to cover it for the quality of care that you're choosing for, That's where you have to use all the assets. So I think the biggest thing is planning for using all assets, not just your RRSPs, for example, because that's where the big issue comes. Keep in mind, couples have the biggest risk, Financially, when it comes from uh, a healthcare issue, you literally could have one person living in their own home and one person living in a home, and now you're co- the same assets are trying to cover two households, and that can be financial issues that can that can really hurt them. So planning for these different things really prevents those those big issues from popping up.
1: So Faisal, when people start planning or start looking at their health planning over retirement. What kinds of questions should they be asking themselves to start off with?
2: Yeah, what I like talking about to our clients is understanding um, what happens now. Who does what in the home? Let's call it the tasks. Uh, You know, you can call it blue jobs and pink jobs. You can call it tasks for the family, whatever you want to call it. And who's doing what responsibility? Now remove that person from doing that responsibility or whatever the job may be, cooking, cleaning, maintenance, whatever it may be. Who's going to take over those responsibilities? Is it your significant other if you're fortunate to have one? And if you don't, you're a solo retiree, then you have to outsource that or other family members have to come into play. The more you outsource those day-to-day activities and tasks that you normally do, the cost is going to kick in there. And then comes the quality of care as you age. I can tell you, my mother did not want to be in a long-term care facility. My mother did not want to age in a hospital. So that required a different view of how we have to pay for expenses such as healthcare costs that are not covered by the provincial programs uh, out of pocket. And so how do you what kind of care do you want and how are we going to pay for that and where is it going to come from are all I- issues that we have to address and solve for.
1: Faisal, thank you so much for joining us today. We're out of time for this segment, but we really appreciate your insights on the health bucket.
2: Yeah, thanks and it's really nice to be a, a guest versus a host on the show. Thank you for having me. <laughs>
1: We've been joined by Faisal Karmali, Senior Wealth Manager and Senior, um, sorry, Senior Portfolio Manager and Senior Wealth Advisor with the Popovich Karmali Advisory Group and usual co host of this show. Rob, I think one thing that we never really have a conversation about or there isn't enough of a conversation around is okay, one spouse gets sick or maybe somebody, somebody in your family gets sick. That's what the health bucket is there for. But what about the people who are caring Mm -hmm. for the person who is sick or needs more long-term help? And that's something that our special guest today is going to be talking about. We are joined today by Dr. Zainer Ismail. He's the professor of psychiatry, neurology, epidemiology, and pathology at the Hotchkiss Brain Institute and O'Brien Institute for Public Health at the University of Calgary, and the chair of the Canadian Conference on Dementia and Canadian National Dementia Guideline Group, Dr. Zaynor, thank you so much for joining us today.
3: My pleasure. Thanks for having me.
1: Now you've been doing um, some really interesting research about caregivers of those with dementia, specifically. So can you tell us a little bit, first of all, about that research and what you're studying?
3: Sure. Um, the research was actually fueled by, you know, I've been in practice for about twenty-four years, and by frequent comments um, from family members and persons who care for those with dementia that they weren't initially heard, or they didn't know where to go within the system, that there was a great degree of stress and burden, um, and they wanted to advocate for their loved one, but often weren't able to. And for myriad reasons, they they were distressed. And over time, I thought this is something that we really need more information on, and more data specifically here in, in Canada. And so we are now exploring all of these issues in terms of what is it about the person with dementia, specific features about their condition that might provide stress or, or cause you know, concern with a family member, what is it about this, the system, access to the health system at various stages of the disease that can be problematic and then also personal characteristics and features about the caregiver or care partner that also might confer risk or resilience because then we can identify those to to treat or build education modules on the resiliency factors that we can then uh, generalize to, to other caregivers.
0: Dr. Ismail, I mean, we talked to a lot of of listeners and and clients with one person that's going into this. Now, I I know there's a lot of programs and stuff getting developed that people can go to us for support. But from the study that you're doing, what are you hoping that your research does to actually help caregivers?
3: The study is called Can Protect, and it's a 100% online study available at uh, dot cancan-protect.ca. The idea behind the study is to go from coast to coast to coast and get really diverse geographically, ethnoculturally data on the aging brain. So, in fact, the core of the study is available to anyone who is 40 or over, for which there are annual assessments, and we intend to run the study for 20 years, but there are annual assessments of, of cognition, memory, and thinking, of behavior, of function, of lifestyle, quality of life, um, medical comorbidities, and and a whole host of other factors that may either contribute to greater dementia risk or may offer protection. And there are brain training games as well, and the annual burden is about three to four hours per year, not at one sitting, And, and so we get a sense of of how the brain ages over time. What is interesting in terms of the caregiver part is that caregivers would identify as a can-protect participant, but then also a caregiver. And we have developed very novel, pertinent topical measures to assess the various aspects of caregiving uh, to answer these questions that that we discussed earlier. But what's, as I mentioned, what's interesting is that they are also assessing the 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 caregiver's own brain health over time. So in in addition to measuring their subjective sense of burden, where does the system fail them, and what is it about their loved one that really is distressing? Is it is it you know having to answer questions over again, or is it having to deal with a change in personality, or is it having to provide basic needs like bathing or reminders and, and, and it varies and what we want are a broad variety of Canadians so we can then answer answer these questions but in addition to that then we can actually assess the impact over time on the caregiver the family member the loved one of these various stressors and and that really hasn't been done before because the tests for example the the, the brain training games and, and, and the the um, and the neuropsychological the cognitive tests are 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 detailed and um and and so it really will give us a holistic understanding of what is the experience of aging and especially of aging when you are trying to access care and provide care with someone that that, that you love in and, and, and we really need to know more about that
1: that's really interesting. So, can you tell us how do you actually measure the stress that a caregiver is experiencing?
3: There are um, direct and indirect ways. So, we have a caregiver stress scale specifically that identifies um, levels of stress based on various factors, and and that was I actually developed that scale based on discussions with caregivers, both formal and informal, and we haven't made that distinction because both are welcome in the study. Um, While we have some data, not these type of data, but we have some data for family and informal caregivers who um, we're mostly talking about right now, there are thousands and thousands of Canadians who are caregivers by profession, whether it be the home care nurse, the personal care aide, the social worker, the physicians who provide dementia care, the nurses, um, that whole team also have to deal with various system and personal and patient related factors. And we want to know about their experience and that that just doesn't exist anywhere. Um, and we have to develop new scales for, for them as well. So those are the, the, the kind of the direct um, measures of their perceived burden and stress facing various features of dementia. But on top of that. We're mentioning we're we're measuring their, their performance on cognitive tests and and their their you know their anxiety or or, or um, depressive symptoms uh, and, and 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 their their quality of life. And we have detailed measures on the quality of life, their ability to meet their own needs and their own task care for their extended family or other family, um, attend work. Are they missing work because you know of of having attend appointments or 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 access various resources or accompany a loved one to to you know a day program or something like this so combining it all together we we get a really robust a robust data set we launched in march and already have over two thousand participants and there are 1400 data elements in the study there are there are mandatory as well as a whole host of optional Uh, measures, so the participants can kind of answer as much as they want. But if they have, for example, we have a um, concussion and brain injury uh, scale. So if someone has a history of of concussions, for example, um, they might be interested in filling out that questionnaire, and then we would include that in the analysis over time. So one can personalize their experience in the study, but whatever we get, we'll put together using various uh, analytical uh, measures and, and statistics to try to figure out what's going on with the aging brain and, and and for the caregiver sub study in those who, who care for those with dementia.
1: Well, we're going to have to leave it there for time, but that's been super interesting. So if anybody wants to find out more about this study, you said the website was wwwcan .ca. .ca. Perfect. Well, thank you so much. We've been joined by Dr. Zainer Ismail, the professor of psychology, neuro- neurology, epidemiology, and pathology at the Hotchkiss Brain Institute and O'Brien Institute for Public Health at the University of Calgary and chair of the Canadian Conference on Dementia and Canadian National Dementia Guideline Group. Thanks so much, Dr. Ismail.
3: My pleasure. Thank you.
1: Now, Rob, we are joined by a very special guest today to talk about legacy right now.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and legacy is one of those things that some people want to think about, some people don't want to think about. It really, it differs it differs in the level of importance for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. But I think there are a lot of things that people miss and don't necessarily consider right. when they're looking at
0: it. Yeah, it's interesting having a lot of these conversations with clients and it normally goes two ways and it comes to a more in-depth conversation and we'll go to our guests for that. Uh, but a lot of people will say, no, I've given enough to my children. We want to spend it all. Mm-hmm. Others may have a different feeling of that. Mm-hmm. And what happens if the gift is given earlier?
1: Right. And so to talk a little bit about that, our very special guest today is will be a familiar voice to most of our listeners. Uh, we are joined by Dave Popovich, Senior Wealth Advisor, Senior Portfolio Manager, and one of the principals of the Popovich Carmoli Advisory Group, CIBC WoodGundy, and normally the co-host of the show. Dave, thanks so much for sitting on the other side today.
4: Yeah, thanks, Leanna. Nice to see you. You too, Rob.
1: So, Dave, um, we talk about the concept of legacy and uh, not necessarily estate planning only, but overall legacy planning with our clients. Can we maybe start with a definition of what that kind of means for us and uh, how that might be different from just your typical estate plan?
4: So, legacy planning for us, Leanna, as you know, deals with um, all aspects of uh, you... I guess becoming an angel and leaving behind the um, the environment that you want, and part of that's a financial piece. Part of it is uh, is a is a qualitative piece around family, ensuring that there is no you know you're not leaving problems behind uh, for the family. So there's a relationship issue to it, um, and then and then goals and objectives beyond that. Some people are philanthropic and charitable, and you know uh, want to create um, a, a legacy of. Of, of giving uh, for their family, so there's a whole bunch of different aspects to it beyond financial that really, in my opinion, um, form what would be considered a high quality, high quality legacy or transition of assets, val- family values, all of those different things that we talk about.
0: Dave, uh, when we go through you know high level planning and strategy meetings with clients, sometimes we get to the point where. Uh, it, it, they may have more money than they're going to spend in their lifetime, and, and so if that's the situation, maybe you can kind of outline what we look at and some potential strategies to pass on wealth efficient, efficiently to the next generation.
4: So Rob, when we you know when we talk to a family or when a family's thinking about their legacy, um, you should really sit down and start thinking about what does life look like for the family once you're gone. Right. So and and then start thinking about um, terrific. What what are the goals and objectives that that you as an individual or as a, as a couple want to achieve when that when you know when that time comes? Now, you know you, you made an interesting comment uh, at the top of the piece. You know some people have uh, make decisions about they you know they they've given in their life and they don't want to leave anymore or they want to leave it behind after or some don't want to leave it behind. When you do, when when you exercise or go through the exercise of financial planning, what happens is you you can start to identify what the composition of your legacy financially is going to look like at the end of the day. Now, many people will be leaving assets behind irrespective of whether they want to or not. It's just the nature of the beast. They've got more than what they're going to spend in their lifetime. Now it's about figuring out where you want it to go, right? It is totally fair to, to look at your family and say, okay, if we gift this sum of money or these assets, what impact will it have? And let's face it, the more money you have, the big, you know, with money comes responsibility. Not everybody is ready and willing to take on that responsibility. And kids aren't all the same. So fair and equal, uh, fair and equal don't necessarily mean the same thing. So I think the uh, the thinking that you have to go through and the strategy you have to go through becomes specific to the goals and objectives. Are you philanthropic? Okay. Um, Do you want the kids to receive large sums of money? Um, Will will that create adverse behaviors that you you don't want to see? Will it lead to fighting in the family? All of these things will dictate uh, from a family perspective, what you're going to do and how you're going to do it. Financially, there are strategies if you've got assets to leave behind that you want to transition. Um, Now you look at the tax efficiency of that. Because in, in Canada, we pay tax at three points in time. One of those points in time is when we die. So what impact will the second passing of uh, of the spouses have on the overall effect of the estate? And and if we want to be building some tax efficiency on that, then there's some strategies to put in place there. So really, it, it, it's a, it's a goal planning exercise, thinking about the complexity and the dynamics of your individual family and then, and then overlaying that with some financial strategies and tax strategies to make sure that that transition is done exactly the way you want and in the most tax-efficient way it can be done.
1: Now, Dave, you kind of touched on this a little bit in your last answer, but one of the things that we hear from clients sometimes is, well, I've written a will, so it's done. What are kind of maybe some of the pitfalls that people don't either necessarily think about, they aren't considered, or are maybe unexpected things that come up that could either necessitate a change or that we should be watching out for when you go through the legacy planning process.
4: Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, one of the big issues, I, I said, this notion of fair and equal are not the same thing. Um, each of your beneficiaries could be very different people, different uh, uh, personalities and dynamics at play there. And the, and the roles and responsibilities that you choose, I mean, think very carefully about who you select to be your executor, your executor in your will. Um most people default to their kids. Do the kids have the skills to execute on that? Will putting one of those children as the executor put that person in a position that stands between one of their siblings and some of the estate money, and have you know make decisions that's going to adversely affect their relationship? So there, there's a lot of complexity, Liana, when you think about the roles, the relationships, the impact of 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 money on people, or different assets, or the tax impacts of items or or things that that you've accumulated in, in your lifetime that you may have sentimental value for, but the kids might not value. Good example, that's a cabin, right? Mom and dad love taking the kids to the cabin and they just assume the kids are going to want this, leaving it behind, big tax burden. And the kids say, hey, we don't want to go out there. We're busy doing our own thing. So there's a whole bunch of assumptions sometimes that are made and the complexity around those roles, responsibilities, and the dynamics of people that really need to be thought through and you need to seek professional help to make sure that, you know, somebody can can guide you through that process of ensuring that it's uh, it's taking taking place properly.
0: Dave, I know you've just been through this process and updating your own. Uh, maybe you can give us one major uh, learning outcome that you learn when going through your own family situation.
4: Yeah, well, uh, I'll tell you, I've got minor children. Um, so I need to ensure that there are... Uh, trusts in my will as their minors but we don't know my wife and I don't know what the kids are going to be like from a financial perspective going forward so we've kept trust in place but this is a five-year redo for us on our will and it's amazing Um, if you'd asked me before we sat down to go through the process of, of updating it I'd have said everything's the same we're making a bunch of fundamental changes in the will because things over the past five years have changed so listen, the one thing I would strongly suggest to people is you're reviewing those documents on a regular basis and you go through the in-depth process each time because things change and, you, and they're material and you don't even recognize it.
1: Dave, thanks so much for taking some time to join us today. We've been joined by Dave Popovich, Senior Portfolio Manager, Senior Wealth Advisor with the Popovich Carmoli Advisory Group and normally the voice that you hear as co-host of our show. So Dave, thanks so much for taking some time out and joining us today.
4: Thanks, Leanna. Thanks, Rob. See you later.
1: We have a really interesting topic that I wanted to chat with you about today, Rob, because we were talking before this segment and before the show today about um, simplifying in retirement. Mm -hmm. This is a common theme that we hear from clients and prospective clients that we meet with. When they head toward retirement, they want to simplify their lives somehow. So I wanted to talk a little bit today about... How? What does that mean? What does that look like? And how can you go about actually simplifying your financial life in retirement? Right.
0: Yeah. I, it, there's a lot that goes into this, and I think that we can talk from experience on what we see. Right. When 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 people come in or have conversations and go, oh, you know, we just don't want to deal with those things anymore. We just we just want to simplify our our finances to the point where we just have income coming in from. Uh, a couple sources, know where it's coming from, and and that's it, right?
1: Right, right. So the interesting thing about that is there are a couple of different areas or types of things you can simplify in your financial life as you head into retirement or as you head through retirement, and a couple of different reasons that people simplify for. So like maybe let's talk about that first. Why do people generally tell you that they're looking to simplify their lives as they go into retirement?
0: So I think for a couple of reasons is, you know, we talk a lot about they've been given the gift of time. They don't want to be dealing with finances, mm-hmm. one. Two, uh, they may not have the expertise, right? So in retirement, if their are withdrawals, mm-hmm. RSPs, DFSAs, non rich all of these things, and they need to have a source of income, I think they really want to have a plan and, and know, right? So uh, the first stage is is working with someone. It's mm-hmm. tough to do on your own, especially if you don't want to do it. Mm-hmm. So working with an advisor, first stage is you know, having a plan.
1: Right. Well, and the other thing that we get that's similar to that, the other reason that we tend to hear is, what if something happens to me? You know, mm-hmm. if you're the primary person that deals with finances in your household, what if something happens to me? What happens to my spouse, my family, my kids, whoever needs to pick this up? After me, can I clean this up now so that there is less headache for them going forward? So that that really goes speaks to having somebody you can rely on that maybe is outside of your family, whether that's a financial advisor or somebody else that can step in and do that kind of thing, right?
0: All right. Let's start with one example here, and I'll, I'll give the one on the word consolidation. Mm-hmm. And so uh, in, in pre-retirement, when you're working, you can have a lot of sources. You can have, uh, I've seen people have four different RSPs at Mm -hmm. different institutions or firms, and that's fine, Mm -hmm. right? They could be coming from uh, different employers and and whatnot. When you get into retirement and and start to think about the withdrawal and go, okay, where is it actually going to come from? How is it invested, Mm -hmm. right? who are the beneficiaries, mm-hmm. right? Because we've seen crazy things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. We've seen exposes,
1: Right, well, that's the thing. And I think the record that I've seen is eight different RSPs at, at <laughs> different institutions. <laughs> you're absolutely correct. If something changes and you want to, for example, change the beneficiary on your RSPs, you're either phoning eight different institutions and then signing eight different sets of paperwork to make that update. You need to know where everything is. You need to make sure... You have people you can contact and who can make that change for you at each of those institutions. Staying on top of it becomes a little bit of a nightmare.
0: Mm-hmm. Uh, Lena, the other thing about consolidation is, if you have one source and things are coming from one source, what is the risk of not consolidating, especially in the withdraw mm-hmm. stage?
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and th- there's there's a couple of different risks to that, but this is something that I've talked about a little bit before. Um, That's when you become the portfolio manager, right? If you're the one who is sort of having to make sure all of the different pieces of your portfolio fit together and Mm -hmm. they're all invested either in a similar way or not competing with each other, um, you have to decide where the income comes from. Those decisions are all on your plate then. Right. And that's when it becomes tricky because then you're managing it.
0: Yep. And you also becoming your own tax planner at that point, Mm -hmm. right? Making sure proper withholding tax or taking that source from different institutions is, could be a daunting task. Mm -hmm.
1: Mm -hmm. Well, and I mean, you have lots of tax experience, so tell us a little bit about the um, various tax implications or some of the things you need to think about as you're doing withdrawals and why it's easier all taking them from one place.
0: Yeah. I, I think when we think about income from different sources in, in retirement, if you think about, you can have pension income, you can have CPP, you can have OAS. Is there tax taken, getting taken taken off from those? right? And then is there withdrawals happening from an RSB? Is mm-hmm. there withholding tax taken mm-hmm. off? If there's not enough, the implication could be that you have a sizable tax bill in April and need to pull from other retirement sources to pay your tax bill, and that is a slippery cycle to get into. Absolutely, absolutely.
1: So one of the other things that we talked about when it came to making sure that everything was looked after in retirement and simplifying it is cash flow, and that fits nicely with what you were just saying.
0: Yes, the cash flow on two different sides. Yes, you have cash flow. When we work with clients and you do a planning, and you're thinking about income coming from different sources, so that's one thing, and we have to look at after-tax money in your pocket, right? Because that's what we spend, right? Right, and then your budget,
1: mm-hmm.
0: because they have to coincide.
1: Well, exactly, yes. Right. Yep.
0: And so that, that's the big—that's the first step. That's the—that's a big piece in in simplifying and partly the homework back to uh, the individual because it gives them some peace of mind on what what they're spending on as well.
1: Right. Well, and having it being able to see it all together whether it's simplified or just a couple of different sources like cpp and oas and then maybe your pension and then your investments that's a lot of pillars or place Mm -hmm. sources of income to deal with all at the same time already so the easier that you can make that the clearer it is to see where your cash flow is coming from yep and then to flow that directly into your budget
0: yeah it's it is a it's a daunting task there's tons to think about there's also I'll, I'll touch base again on this can lead into other things for your your loved ones as well right because if you again if you have a plan on a budget right if you both know who the beneficiaries are on all of your accounts mm-hmm. right and you have a working document and working with a professional and God forbid something happens, right?
1: Then it just makes it easier for those loved ones to pick up either to continue on their lifestyles, if it's the is it the, in the case of your spouse, or you have people who are dependent on you, or for your kids, You know, I can use the example of my family. My mother went through a whole bunch of cleanup and financial cleanup for her parents when she had to take over their finances or managing their finances as power of attorney. And she looked at it and said, I don't wanna leave that. For my mm-hmm. kids so she's going through the process now that she's retired and actually putting together sort of making sure her finances are simple so it's easier for her children mm-hmm. to handle if and when she can't do that anymore
0: it can actually be a gift it's right it's
1: part of your legacy plan absolutely yeah.
0: yeah
1: so that that being said we're rapidly running out of time here we're going to be talking about all of these issues at our next seminar rob
0: We are. It is a part, the first stage of thinking about it. We're not talking about just about finances. We're talking about all the stages of retirement at our next comic seminar, Tuesday, June 20th. This will be 7 p.m. in person at the Carriage House Inn. Go to morethanmoneyradio.com to register.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us today. Uh, Just a reminder, if you ever want to listen again to any of More Than Money, you can find all of our past segments, the sign-up link for our seminar and more at our website, morethanmoneyradio.com, or you can get it delivered directly to you via podcast by searching for More Than Money CHQR on Apple Podcasts or your favorite podcast app. On behalf of myself, Liana, and Rob Geary, Thank you so much for joining us today here on QR Calgary and More Than Money.